Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Brad A. Modric, author of The Takeover, is a father, husband, and multi-passionate businessman and speaker who is making waves in the world of business. If you truly want to be successful, you must be willing to help as many people as you possibly can without expecting anything in return. Do things for people who will never be able to repay you. Brad, first of all, I love that because I don't hear anybody saying that, but everybody understands that it's a truth, especially if they're in RTA, especially if they've been in business long enough. And you're using that as basically your compass and your litmus test every day. Thank you for being here and thank you for the conversation. And I can't wait to, like I said, give you a big old hug in St. Louis. I'm going to see you. It's almost a month to the day right now, isn't it? Sure. Uh, month 22nd. Yeah. Month away. Yeah. And Marcus, bro, thank you for having me on here. Leading up to today, I think about our history. And there was always one person that was there for me in the accelerator days, right? You were there. You showed up. And it's, brother, it's an honor to be here and showing up for you today. Thank you for doing it. It's an honor. This is why we do what we do. This is what Arte is about. I, I've said it before, and, and we'll both say it again. Being in Arte for as long as I was, I was there from day one, and it is what's actually helped me see what needs to be done, the tactical stuff, the practical stuff, meeting people, understanding the importance of helping each other, just like you and I do for each other, just like you do for other people. This is what it's all about. Like, Show the fuck up for people. And speaking of Arate, you're highly decorated. You have all this Arate regalia <laughs> around you. Was it the last live event? It was an award. Tell us what it was. That was this one. It was the Leadership Through Action Award. That was in the Summit of 21. Yes. And bro, I remember I was sitting next to Jonathan Hagerbaum and they kicked the beginning of the summit off and Andy gets up and Ed gets up. Normally, from my understanding, that was my first like big high ticket mm -hmm. summit that I went to. Um, I didn't realize they started off with like a ward system. So they get up and they start talking about this person and all these accolades about who this person is. And I'm like getting ready for them to bring out their speaker. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm paying attention. I remember I was doing something as they were talking and they were like, we're going to do awards and the first person that we're going to talk about. And then I thought it was going to be Chris Saunders. I mm. thought they were talking about Chris Saunders. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, Chris, man, he's a great guy. He's always there, shows up, da 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 da, da. And they were like, Brad Modrich. It didn't even register. And Jonathan, like, literally elbowed me. <laughs> Physically, <laughs> he was like, yo. He was like, they called you. I'm like, what? I'm like, shut the fuck? I'm like, shut up. Emily was standing there because, like, I didn't stand up. She was like, where the fuck is Brad at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know you're in the room. We know you're in the building, Brad. Wow. Yeah. And it was that one thing. And I think the pedigree of people in Arte, for the most part, when I got the award, it wasn't like, oh my God, look at me. I know I have it hanging on the wall. It's a daily reminder. 
that's not a daily reminder of the award that I have hanging on the wall. The daily reminder is like, I got to do more, right? Like as a leader, you carry the load. That is more of a sign that I got to do more. Like you got to show up. You got to continue to be a leader. And that's always been my MO, man. I think you met me at a time when I was leaving corporate America. I had a 20-year corporate job, the National Health Club chain. And when I left my job, I really, I lost my identity. I didn't Mm -hmm. know. I even remember talking to you about this. For 20 years, I was LA Fitness. Like there was no question about it. I could walk in anywhere in the tri-state area and it was, oh, there's Brad from LA Fitness. And then you take that away. It's like, who the hell are you? The one thing that I know I am is I love leading people. I love leading men and women. And how you lead that is obviously, I mean, the whole premise of what you represent, it's your actions. It's like, what are you doing? Not what do you say you're going to do? Like, what are you actually doing? And when I got that award, it literally, the first thing that went into my mind was you need to do more. Like now it's time. You got to show up more. You got to do more. You got to be here more. If you want this title, so to speak, or this accolade, that you got to do more. And that was literally what I was saying as I was walking down, like in my head, I'm like, yo, you need to step your shit up, Brad. It had nothing to do with the award. Although it was amazing. It was great. It was just that little mile marker to say that amped me. So what that did in turn when I got home was just coming up with a game plan with my wife, with just aesthetic nursing. We scaled it. We grew it. We duplicated it. It was just that call to sign. It was that that sign that was just like, bro, you got to do more. And it's a great indication of what actually is required to have greatness. You have to move boldly in that direction without knowing exactly what the path is. But also we have to do it with us, again, no expectations. Like stop waiting for congratulations. Stop waiting for a pat on the back. Stop waiting for accolades. Because the only time we get this stuff, like what you're describing, is after we've already done the work. And just like your internal dialogue is saying, it's nice when it happens. But at this point, it doesn't mean that much compared to what I want to do because of this. This is an indication. So every day you're getting up and you're earning that. Every day you're going up and you're seeing that and it's like, this is my driver. This is what I need to be doing more of. Am I doing more than what that guy that won that award is doing right now? And if I know more than that guy did because it's six months or a year ago, then I better know more. I better be more efficient. And it's more than just actions. It's the quality of actions. It's the consistency of actions. The brave decision to take action, even on the stuff, especially as a leader, that's hard. And most people don't want to do that. Most people want to take the easy route. They want to take the path of least resistance, whatever you want to call it. But there is a direct correlation to the more that we take ownership, the more that, like you were saying, as we were both saying before, the more that you're transparent, even though that word doesn't mean as much as it did, or even authentic, it strips away all the bullshit. That's why diversity does. It burns everything to the fucking ground and you're left with what is really there. And when you know what that is, it's amazing how hollow a lie sounds when you know the truth about yourself or about what's going on around you. And th- that word truth, JP Denell from Echelon Front, JP, yes. JP. JP educated me. He has this phrase. He said, discipline is rooted in the truth that you tell yourself. When I heard that, I continue to just say it again and say it again, because even like talk about adversity, talk about like leadership, it all comes down to the truth. What's the truth? And there's the, like that real truth of what it is, right? Like I could have 
given you every excuse in the book to not show up today, right? I think society in a whole would have been like, okay, Brad, you get a pass for today. The truth is I can still come. The truth is I can still show up. The truth is this is doing more for me than it is for you. Like this is, that's the truth of the matter. And when you can look at that truth and you can really just identify what the truth is, like really what's, what is real? What is the truth? Discipline will get you to do those things because you could really just look at yourself in the mirror and just, what is that truth? And I know sometimes it kind of goes around in circles, but the truth is the truth. It is what it is. And if, if you could face that truth, which most people don't, they want to brush it under a rug. They want to make an excuse for it. You know, there's, there's always a socially acceptable excuse for failing. Right. But what's the truth of it? And I think the truth, and then more importantly, the action that you take to that truth is the most important part. That's exactly it. It's being able to come to that place of, of understanding what the truth is and then the acceptance so that we can move boldly beyond it. Again, the five stages, we see the people that go through denial, which is so common today. And we talk about society, right? Whether it be social media, whether it be some bullshit, mindless conversation with somebody, intentionally just watching episode after episode or reel after reel or TikTok after TikTok to keep yourself numb from actually being able to sit with what's going on. Then they go through anger. Then they go through bargaining, which again is the same kind of thing. We're just dancing around it. We don't want to see it for what it is. There's that point of depression, which we're getting closer. And then finally we accept it. But that acceptance, the sooner we as leaders, as warriors can see the truth and get to acceptance faster, it gives us a tactical advantage against any adversary that we face, anything, whether it be a person who's trying to hurt your family or a person that's trying to instill mediocrity within us. The idea is to understand what that truth is, to recognize it, and to not just capitulate because it's easier, it's socially acceptable, or frankly, it's just, I don't have enough energy to deal with this right now. People don't understand that we talk about Jocko and we talk about Leif and, and JP to know when I went to the council last year, like being tired is the norm. Being not feeling like a thousand percent every day is just part of it. That's what we do. And we still execute now on the days when everything's going well and you do feel like a million bucks, man, that's when you crush your powerless and then some. But it's still about just that ability to go through. We put these people on pedestals. We put Andy Frisella, we put Ed Milet, we put Jocko, we put JP, we put David Goggins, whomever, on this pedestal. And we're like, well, it's easy for them. Every single day, they are still facing that adversity. Every single day, they are still going against resistance. Discipline equals freedom, but they're doing it because it takes that discipline to get to that other side of it. Anything that you want in your life is not going to be easy. And frankly, even if you achieved it easily, you will not fucking respect it once you have it. Mm. It has to be hard. We have to work for it. It's just human nature. If you give something to somebody for free, they have to earn it in some capacity, whether it be blood, sweat, tears, emotion, time. But if it doesn't cost any of those things. Man, it's just, Marcus, we live in this crazy time right now because of these screens and these phones and the dopamine and the neural patterns. But the reality at the end of the day, it just comes down to like, what are you, what are you doing today to move that needle? What are you doing today? Andy's brother, Sal, I don't know if you know my, um, oh, yeah. Sal was one of the first guys to take me into first form. And I don't know if you know my, my backstory. I was a VP with LA came across first form. This is literally probably like episode one MF CEO time. Wow. That's how long it's been. I, 
literally when Andy came out with that episode one, I started going on the first form, kind of, you know, chasing the product, understanding who they were, doing all of this. But matter of fact, today, I even sent him a picture. I sent him a DM today, March 23rd, was the first time I flew out the first form headquarters. Wow, the old one. The old one. And Sal was there. And the reason why this man has, you know, Andy's great. All these guys are great that in this like circle that we're in. But there's just another layer to Sal. And I think it's because it's the father, right? He has, you know, three beautiful children. And I think there's just a lot of similarities in us. Very competitive. Very, you know, our both of our wives are nurse injectors. Mm -hmm. Very, very similar. Sal at first form teaches us a concept. And this has literally been ingrained into my hardwiring since 2018. You put one foot in front of the other. I did this exercise with my son the other day, and I was getting him to understand how important it is when you're dealing with that adversity, when you're dealing with that challenge, when you're dealing with whatever obstacle that you're trying to get over right now. And I I want you to use a visual, just putting your head down and putting one foot in front of the other, right? We moved out to the sticks and there's this great big hill coming up to our property. And he was dealing with some adversity. And I said, let me just give you a visual concept of this. And we're rucking. We're doing our outside 75 hard. We're at the bottom of this hill. And when you look up the hill, you could literally see it's at least the 35 to 40 degree angle pitch. Like it's, it is a hill. And my son's name is Brian. I said, Brian, put your head down. Do not look up. Just follow my voice and just watch what happens. And we're talking and we're literally, I said, we're putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And I'm literally talking him through this concept of just whatever you do, don't stop. Just put one foot, even if it's a small step. I did this all the way up this hill. And as I'm talking to him and I'm talking him through and I'm like, right now your legs are burning. Your back is hurting. I could feel this. Don't stop, Brian. I'm getting goosebumps from this right now. I said, don't stop, Brian. Don't stop. Just keep moving. And we just... We kept rucking. We kept rucking. I said, do not look up. Do not look up. Keep your head down. Keep your head focused. I said, and I just because I did this hill a million times, I said, now look up. And we were on the top of the hill. I said, now, would you have been able to get through that like you did if you didn't, number one, focus on small daily actions one day at a time, one step at a time? And he looked at me. And there was just this energy that was coming from my kid because something clicked, like something clicked. And I think that's where people, when they deal with adversity, they deal with that challenge, they let it just consume them and they just let it be infectious. And it's like a disease. And it's just like, if you could have an out of body experience. And again, you know, Marcus, bro, this and most people won't talk about this. I'll talk about it, right? We, we, we live in this world, especially our circle. We have guys like the men you just mentioned, Andy's, the Ed's, the, all of these guys. And, you know, we do put them up on a pedestal. I challenge people to really run the fucking play. Like really practice what they're preaching. If you could practice what they're preaching, I mean, really, like actually looking your mirror, truth, right? Are you really running the play? And at the end of the day, if you listen to this stuff and you consume it and you actually do it, I promise you, my hand to God, your life is going to completely change. Like, it's just not a bunch of bullshit, but you got to do the work. And this is where everyone fucking drops the ball. They listen to it. They get excited about it, but they don't actually do the work. 
Like you got to do the work. You got to do the work. Like, yeah, it may suck. And everyone just lets this consume them. And then that consumption just puts inactivity. And then the inactivity turns into guilt. And the guilt turns into more inactivity. And it's just this vicious vortex that you get caught into. And if you could just stop and use, I love Sal because he's taught me this out of all of the things that I've learned. When you get punched in the head, when that hits you, here, I wasn't going to talk about it today, but I'll, I'll talk about it. And I think it's good just for explanation purposes. This is for your audience. My mom passed away last night and I did not have to come in and do what I had to do today. Didn't have to do it. I could have literally shot Marcus a text. I could have shot all of my business meetings off this morning. Um, but the truth is, we talk about the truth. The truth is, what made my mom proud was she had a kid that got after it. If my mom knew I had shit that I had to do today, she'd be like, what are you doing coming up here? Go get after it. That's the truth. That's the truth. The truth is I could have made a million excuses today not to show up. And again, the truth is this. I need to put this one foot in front of the other. I need to come into my office today. I need to pour into others. That's the truth. Not the fact that I'm upset and I'm hurt and I'm crushed and I got all of this pressure leading down on me. That could be the easy. That's what most people do. That's the easy route. And now I know, again, there's going to be people out there that say, well, Brad, you know, it's your mom. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, again, that's your truth. That's not my truth. My truth is if I am going to be that proverbial one that Ed loves to talk about, if I'm going to be the one for my family, I have to deal with all of the shit I deal with. Because listen, I could take all the accolades. We bought the big house. We got the nice things. We got that. That's all good. It's easy to show up when it's good. But can you show up when you're kicked in the fucking balls and you're down and you're hurt and you're crushed and just the adversity is just consuming your body. That's the differentiator. I told you this from the beginning, man. There's not another. The fact it's almost a sign of God that I am talking to the man who, when I think of adversity, has done an amazing job of explaining how to get through that and how to channel it and how to turn that into something positive. Right. And using that adversity, I have adversity today and I'm on the, I'm on with you, Marcus. It wouldn't have made sense me not showing up today because that's when you show up is when you're in that darkest fucking place when most people will crumble. I know in a week from now, I will feel so good about this decision that I made today about coming in because I'm here. I'm here for my team. I'm here for my people. And I'm still going to be here for my family because I am the motherfucking one for my family. God gave me a certain set of skills and a certain mindset to be able to go through this. And I'd be doing my mom a disservice by not showing up. That's just the reality of it, bro. And I remember you saying that when we came on, I was like, we don't have to have this call. You're like, no, I need this call. And that's what I want to talk about. It's if some people hear this and they say, oh, well, this is just your avoidance. This is your, you're just trying to keep yourself occupied so that you don't deal with it. But what you're telling me, and I believe you because I know you, because I've known you for years, this is what's helping you process. 
this is what's allowing you to attach meaning to this, as opposed to allowing this to make you a victim. You're like, no, I'm going to be the victor over this. Listen, we all have adversity, but that does not mean that adversity has you. You choose, you decide, and you're choosing to say, listen, the meaning that I'm attaching to this adversity is just going to make me level up. I'm going to make my mom proud by standing here today, by telling the world what's going on. More importantly, you're setting the example for other people. If they need time, they can. So you're telling them to be true to themselves. If they were crushed and you were unable to have the call, absolutely. You're not. That's not who you are. That's not how you're built. That's not the man that I see before me today. And because of that, to shrink away from those responsibilities, to not have this call, to not face adversity would be a disservice to everything that you do, everything you believe in, every ethos, that very moral fiber of who you are. So I applaud you yeah. for doing that. And I'm not trying to glorify it. I'm just saying this is what the mindset of a person who's actually trying to move forward compared to a person who's, I don't want to say looking for an excuse, but in today's society, any inconvenience is like the end of the world. If we run into traffic, we're pissed off. Or if my cell phone's not getting a reception or if my latte is not hot enough, it's the end of the world. And I don't have a resilience to be able to go beyond that. But being in these places, being honest with ourselves, because you checked in with yourself. You're like, man, if I can't make the call, I'm going to tell Marcus. I know him well enough. We're friends. We've known each other for years. But you did. And you're like, actually, no, I'm good. Let's go. Yeah. I'm glad we have this call today, man. Some people, how you deal with it, I'm not I'm not hiding from it. Right after this, I'm, I got to go up to my sister's house. We got to make arrangements. It's literally, I thought about it when I woke up this morning. I woke up 545, same time, went out, got my greens, took care of my body, took care of my mind, you know, everything that got my body moving. It's just, it, it becomes an operating system. And I think sometimes to help people out there that are dealing with adversity, I think having discipline in a routine or, and again, this is, this is a beautiful thing about where I know I'm at in my journey. It's perspective to really understand who you are, what you're doing, and more importantly, what you're going to do. And I know sometimes that sounds like just cliche, like Instagram bullshit, but if, if you can 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 have the most honest conversation with yourself. And this is what I did. I did this back in, in 2020, like right before the pandemic, I had a, just a completely honest conversation with myself. Was I, was I showing up the way that I needed to show up? Right. And you know, a lot of guys out there watch porn, watch this, watch that, do all kinds of dumb shit. I was one of those guys. Wife don't give you no booty. It's quick to scroll. Hey, boom, boom, boom. Take care of yourself, whatever. That was not the man that I wanted to be. There was something that I was masking, right? I was hiding. Like, what was it? I wasn't having a conversation with my wife. So I attacked that. I wasn't being honest with myself. I had this thing about God that kind of always knew. And then obviously the people who we follow, obviously Andy and Ed, they're talking about it more. So I'm thinking about it more. And my, I told you that, I remember when I told you this, May 14th, 2020, I dropped down on my knees and I just started praying. I remember I felt stupid as fuck. I remember sitting in my room, looking up at the sky. My wife went to go take a shower and I just felt this just heavy, just load. And I just remember I dropped down on my knees. I looked up at the ceiling. I was like, yo, I was like, I have no clue how this is supposed to work. I'm praying to you, God. And literally every day since then, I pray in the morning. 
Again, I've heard Ed talk about how he drops down to his knees so he feels smaller. I do it every day. And it wasn't until I had that honest conversation with myself. And then I stopped doing the things that didn't serve me. Started with the people. Then it started with the things. I cut those people off. Right. Things that weren't serving the Instagram. Look at my car. Look at my watch. Look at this. All this fake bullshit. And that's not me. My wife and I, we've done a pretty good job the past four years. We've done some things, right? We've had a lot of accolades, great financial success. But at not one point have I ever said, look at my, look at my, look at my, because that's just not who I was. And I think when you start to identify truly who you are and you lean, like you, I keep hearing you say boldly go into that. I went right into that really, really hard. And I doubled down on my faith. I doubled down on my family. I doubled down on my actions. I doubled down on my, my network, my people. I love life, man. It has nothing to do with money or accolades. It's the fact that for the first time in my life, Marcus, I can really look at the man in the mirror and be truthful. There's nothing. I I stripped it all away. I took away all that bullshit. I just, I knew what I was doing wrong. And most men and women know the shit that they're doing. They know it. You know the shit that you're doing. You know it, but you still do it anyway because it's this vicious cycle. Honest conversation, cut the bullshit and watch what happens to your life. Like that's the simplicity of it. Like on a granular level, you know, people, and if you can't see me, I'm holding up my phone. You know what you're doing in your phone. You know what you're doing in your phone. You know what's taking your attention. You know what's pulling you from it. And if you know what that is, you are the only person that can change that. You're the only person that can change it. How I did it, one step at a time one foot in front of the other. It wasn't a bunch of different things that I tried to figure out. I did one thing at a time. I had to cut what I was watching. That was number one. Number two, I had to cut who I was having conversations with. Number three, I looked at my family and said, what can I do for my family more? How can I show up more? Because at the end of the day, I look at that room that I was in last night And that was the only people that matter were my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, my wife, my kids. Everything else is background noise. And I think sometimes people, because of this phone that we have, we get caught up in everyone else's bullshit. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We've all been there before. None of my Instagram followers were in that room last night. None of the people showing me their Lambos or their watches or their jets were in that room last night. And they probably wouldn't have been if they'd known. But the people who I care about the most were in that room. And those are the people I have to serve. Now, how I serve them is by all of this. It's not as hard as everyone makes it out to be. It's really not. It really starts by having that honest conversation about what you want to do. And just take a baby step. Just take a fucking small step. One step towards that goal. Right? And we we know the basics. And move your body. Read something. Feed your brain. Whatever your spirit is. Whether it's God, Buddha, universe, karma. Whatever that thing is for you. 
feed it, right? Karma, like universe. People say, oh, it's the universe. Well, are you doing, are you putting good things out into the universe for you to get it back, right? And then the crazy part is, is when you focus on those three, the financial will always, for some reason, that financial just seems to fix itself. Again, we talk about this all the time. If everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. Mm. And that's what you're talking about. Genuine, real priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And lots of times we prioritize things that are not worthy of being priorities because it makes us feel better. Like you said, a phone, vanity metrics, attention, whatever it is. But when we take care of the real things, all those other things take care of themselves or they just fade away. And like you said, when we die, we hope that people will come around us that are close to us that love us. For some of us, it may be a dozen. For some people, it may be hundreds. But those people will be around for a little while, but only the people that are actually real for you, like the ones that were in that room last night, the rest of those people, they'll give you an hour, maybe two hours of their attention. After that, they go back to their self-absorbed life. And I'm not saying that badly, but that's just how people are. And then in a few weeks, they kind of forget about it and they go back to what they were doing. I'm not saying that that's bad. What I'm saying is if that is the truth, and I believe it is, then why the fuck are you allowing anything outside of those true priorities to have any space in your mind, in your emotions, in your heart, in your soul, in your life, in your work? We are either moving closer to our goals for these priorities or we are moving further away. There is no in-between. We lie and we say that we're, oh, I'm making lateral motions here and I'm doing this and I'm, no, you're not. So either you're moving forward with one step every day. And that's the thing. We don't have to sprint a marathon, but we do have to take one step every day, irrespective of how we feel, what the environment is, what the situation is. We maintain a standard. We set a standard. And then we go to that standard every day. Non-negotiable, end of story. That's it. But if we don't allow ourselves that capacity, and if we don't have something that really drives us, right? If it's something artificial, if it's an artificial metrics, like what? Again, money is great. We, and we both understand that. And we both do well with money. But if I have this artificial number on the wall, this is I'm going to hit a million this quarter. And I know that I don't have a plan. I can't reverse engineer this. There's no blueprint for this. Then I'm lying to myself. And subconsciously, I hold back. And now instead of actually getting to maybe half a million or even a quarter million that I could do, realistically, if I would do the work instead, I'm sitting back hoping that something is going to magically happen. Somebody's going to call me out of the blue and offer me a contract for this, or I'm going to get signed for that or blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works. We're talking about the law of attraction, right? The law of attraction only works as hard as you do. Go fucking go out there and do the work. Every person that you talk to, and it doesn't matter if it's Jocko, doesn't matter if it's Andy Frisella. There's people that are like, well, that's on one side of the equation. That's fine. Jerry Colonna, Brene Brown, these people on this other side, they're telling you the same thing. They may not be raising their voice. They may not be as impassioned about it, but it's still the same thing. Discipline equals freedom. Or Jerry Colonna saying, in what way are you complicit in allowing these things to continue that you claim that you don't want? It doesn't matter what you call it. Just do it. Just execute on it. And the people that you see that are succeeding, we talk about doing the work, they're doing it every day. They've done it for 20 years already. And here's the other thing. When you go to those people and you give them an excuse, they can see right fucking through you. They know that you're not doing the work. They know that the minute that there's just a little bit of pushback, you will give up. 
right? Yeah. It's so true what you're about to say. Yeah, we know. It's bullshit. Like recognizes like. Warriors recognize warriors and people that are actually doing the work. Listen, Andy and Ed, any of these people that we've met that are at, at the very top of this echelon, they want to see somebody like them that's doing the work. They want a person that's on the journey with them, not a person who's like a sycophant in the audience saying, wow, you guys are great. They don't need that shit. They need people helping them push. So if there's something or somebody or some cause that you believe in, go out and help that thing, that person, that business, that movement. Spearhead it yourself if you have to. But if you don't believe in what you're doing deeply, you will fall apart at the minute there is any genuine adversity in your life. And then you will have the audacity to be surprised when you fail. When you knew the truth the whole time. I have a dear friend. I love this guy. I love him. And every time I have a conversation with him, I hear excuse. I hear a reason why this didn't happen. I hear this. And this is here. Let's talk about a challenge that I'm going through. It's showing compassion and understanding for people who constantly make excuses. For me, it's just like, it's like kryptonite. It's like fucking, it's literally like kryptonite. I cringe and I'm just like, I don't want to hear it. Get it away from me. I don't want to come near it. But people in general, they just keep feeding the bullshit. I didn't talk about this. Did you know I was in prison? Did you know that? I think we touched on it briefly in one of our private conversations, but. Yeah. So I was four years incarcerated, federal prison, and I'll never forget the day. My first year in incarceration, I was in the hole. It was a federal charge. So I caught my charge in, in Florida and I put a request in to move up back up to Pennsylvania because this is where family's at. And I got dropped on the compound. And like day two of me being on the new compound, they locked me up in the hole. And I thought I was getting hit with like a superseding indictment. Didn't know what was going on. Long story short, I grew up with one of the corrections officers there. She knew my mom. She knew my sister. She knew, my, she knew everything about us. Federal guidelines, no corrections officer can have any affiliation. Like they get the inmate list with all of the new inmates. They go through it. They have to sign off. So whatever. So they throw me in the bucket. I was in the hole for literally more than a year. It was like a year and like seven days. Something crazy number. And I remember sitting in the hole thinking this was part of the game. I attributed it to like in the military when you get your stripes the best thought I had was when Ray Liotta in Goodfellas gets popped, <laughs> yep. right? He comes out and all of his Goombas are there and they're like, hey, you broke your cherry. Yep. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, this is me. I broke my cherry. I'm incarcerated. Now I'm in the hole. I'm getting a superseding indictment. That's what was going on in my head before I knew I grew up with a CO. Then like three months go by, six months go by, and you really start to think about some shit when you're sitting in an eight by four room. Oh, yeah. With artificial light, I thought about killing myself. I thought about how am I going to, how can I hang myself? And then I even got so small. I was a micro speck. Literally, I just remembered because the hole that I went in, it went like three stories. That was literally the hole. It went three stories down. And I just remember laying in my cot thinking, if I died right now, like in my mind, the visual I was having was like a piece of sand on the beach and just get lost. Never find it again. I get transferred. I get back out on the compound. On they transferred me to Loretto. It's uh, another part of Pennsylvania, and there was a guy there 
Um, I, for some reason, don't ask me why I had to have a cigarette. I was a smoker before I get out, get on the new compound. I found a smoke. I went out on the smoking deck and I'm smoking. And there was this dude sitting to my left, all jailhouse tatted up, busted up tea. Like guy just looked like he's been doing a bid forever. And he looks at me and he was like, so is this what you're going to do for the rest of your life, kid? And it was literally like someone took the oxygen out of my lungs. And I was just like, there's no fucking way I'm going to continue this. And now, mind you, leading up to that point, Marcus, I thought this was just normal. This was just a normal play into the criminal of, right? And, and it's so funny. I've been thinking a lot about like my mom and the childhood and how, why I ended up in prison, right? Recently. Of course I was in prison. Of course that kid who grew up with a mom getting married three times, men running in and out, drugs, alcohol, no father role. Of course I'm in prison. Like where the fuck else would I end up? You know what I mean? Like it, it was, yeah. it was like almost like a badge of honor. And I remember I started thinking before that I met that guy outside. I remember like, this is going to be my time where, because in prison, you could do one or two things. You can become a better criminal or you can become a better person. It's literally going to be one of the two things. It's either going to teach you and mold you to like, fuck, I'm not going to do this again. I took that road. Or you got to remember, you have people that are just sitting there trying to just mastermind on how they can network. Same kind of mastermind and networking that we do. They do it with yes. how to counterfeit, how to deal drugs. Like I heard multiple times, 10 different ways I can cut a brick up where I only knew one. I found 10 different compounds I could break up a, a kilo of cocaine with. You just got to step out of those conversations, right? Where I'm going with this is I remember at that point where I made a choice that I was never, ever, ever going back to prison. Never. I'm, I will be in a body. Well, first off, I used to say, well, I'll be in a body bag before I go back in. It's like, no, I'm not even going to put myself in a situation to go back. And the lesson, what I want to teach, like I want people to get is, again, if you know you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, stop fucking doing it. If you know, like, and it's so hard, like discipline is such, such an important part of my life. I'm not a rocket science guy. Like I literally, if I have to read here, your book, I'll give your book for an example. A lot of big words for me anyway small print, right? Your book, I had to read. It didn't have like, you've read uh, uh, Michael Lozier's Law of Attraction, right? right? Big print, real, like everything's, it's like super simple to read. It's an easy read. It's, it's a remedial level of reading. And then you take a book like yours where you like really got to like, listen, you got to read, you got to, for me, I have to reread shit. I have learning disorder, right? It is what it is. I have to like intentionally read it again. If you know that there's something that you're not doing or something that you need to be doing and you're not doing it, I challenge everyone that's listening to this to stop, detach, look at that situation. And I'm just going to use health. It's something that's easily to talk about. I'm overweight. I'm deconditioned. I'm out of shape. Let's just talk about that health. Well, what do I got to do? Detach. Okay. Well, two things with being healthy. I got to control what's going in my mouth and I got to get the body moving. 
Now, how can I take that to a granular level? Okay, today, I'm going to go for a walk for 30 minutes. Simple. Can I check that off? Can I say every day I'm going to walk for 30 minutes and then eating healthy? I'm going to eat one healthy meal today. Like get granular with it and do that for 30 days. Can I eat one healthy meal for 30 days? And I'm getting super, 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 super remedial with this. You know, you don't have to do the 75 hard and work out two times a day and eat clean and go on a diet, take a progress pick, drink a gallon of water, blah, blah, blah. Remedial steps. And if you can do that with any challenge that you have and you work progressively to get better, and remember it's progression, not perfection. I think that's an important part where people fuck up in the self-development world. They're trying to be perfect. I did it. I did here. I did it. I, there was a time where you could ask anybody, you would have thought I was Andy. Like the shit that was coming out of my mouth, like, I was like, Brimstone and fire. Rah! Like, and I had someone say, bro, you're not Andy. Like, stop it. I'm like, oh, fuck. You're right. I'm not Andy. I'm Brad. <laughs> it's those small daily steps. Like when you think of, you know, acting on verb, like what you represent, it's about the action, even if it's small. Yeah. To get to the monumental, we do the incremental. It's these micro adversities that we embrace every day that we overcome. That walk becomes 35 minutes. That becomes one meal that's healthy and reducing sugar. And now you slowly build this momentum, this gravity. And what does that build? That builds belief self-respect, self-confidence. And now that gives you the ability to look back on it afterwards, just like you were saying about adversity. And we say, now that I'm committed to it, it's not nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. But it's that being in a position where you're committed, where there is no other choice. When there's no other choice, the choice is simple. We have to execute. We have to go. So 75 hard is great for that. Also, what else? Loving our family, our wife, our kids. Loving our business. And I don't mean loving the business necessarily. I mean loving our team, loving the people that we serve. That love comes through in the product and the service. And that customer may not ever be able to put their finger directly on it, but man, they can tell a difference. The quality of it, as leaders, every decision that we make affects the people around us. So again, if I'm sitting here saying, well, I'm going to, you know, slack today, I'm not going to go for a run, or I'm not going to lift, that's going to directly affect everybody that I touch. So if you don't want to do it for you, do it for the other people that actually care about you, that actually look up to you, that actually love you. Because sometimes if it, it doing it for ourselves is not enough, the adversity that we can endure on our own is, is tremendous, but it's nothing compared to when we have other people that we want to do this for, that we need to do this for. A soldier on the field, he's dying to defend his country and the people that, that he loves. And he would want it no other way because that's what we're designed to do if you're out there. And anything that we're applying in our lives right now, it's the exact same thing. You have to plan the execution of this plan like it's an assassination and then go at it with that sort of intensity every single day. Because if you don't, that one time you step back, that may have been that single step that was necessary to get you to the next level. And when you allow yourself too much space, when you allow yourself too much leeway, it doesn't help us in the way that we think that it is. And like you're saying, we're aware most of the time of what needs to be done. It's what we choose to do with that awareness. The definition of anxiety is choosing not to choose. And most people try to just push it off. 
They say, I'm going to push the adversity over here. And then they push it over here and they push it over here. But eventually their life will revolve around that single adversity that they are not willing to face, work through and overcome. And before you know it, you close your eyes and you're 60 years old. And you're like, what the hell happened? What about all those things I was going to do? What about all that potential that I had? What about all that talent that people told me that I naturally had? None of that shit matters if you're not willing to do the work. What happens, I think this is an important part, when you don't do the work, guilt sets in. And guilt is so powerful. And this is the best analogy, right? Like your brain is the supercomputer. It records everything. It records light, smell, senses, touches. This this brain is just recording everything. And imagine here, I said, Marcus, I'll be here today, 11 o'clock, I'm going to show up. And I didn't show up, right? Regardless of the situation of the day, I just no-showed on you. And I called you and I said, oh, Marcus, man, bro, I'm so sorry. And you, you again, because there's a friendship, there's a relationship, you'd be like, bro, no sweat. Let's get you back on the calendar. It is what it is. I book again and I no show. I said I was going to do something and I no show again. Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, come on. Let's just say I did that two or three times, four times, five times. At some point, one, you're going to stop asking me. You're going to stop asking me. You've recorded it. Like it's, 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 it created this understanding. Like I can't ask Brad for nothing. So in your mind, I'm checked out. You're like, fuck, fuck him. I'm not going to ask him to come on. The dude just no shows. What do you think happens to yourself every time you say you're going to do something and you don't do it? Like, I, I want people to really understand that because this is what there's a hardwiring and there's a circuitry in your brain that records every time I say, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym today and you don't do it because th there's two, there's two sides of this. And I want you to understand when you're not doing what you say you're going to do. And I'm not talking about being this dominant entrepreneur. I'm talking about like granular shit. I'm going to show up for my wife. I'm going to show up for my kid. I stopped cursing in front of my daughter. Like I had, like if I had to be the example, I had to stop cursing. I got a mouth like a trucker, man. I just, every other word out of my mouth was F in front of my daughter. And I'm just like, is that really what the best father wants you to do? Like, no, I had to stop doing it. But imagine again, you just keep telling yourself that you're going to do something and you don't do it. There is a neural pattern that's created that it's just, you're not going to do it. Like you're not going to show up for yourself. And then it's a deeply rooted, imploding guilt that comes from you not doing it. It's like a cancer. But now let me show you the other side. And this I could speak on. I could speak volumes on it, right? Because I did that other thing. Well, not that much. I mean, I'm usually pretty good for my word. I think that's kind of my MO on who I am. Like if I say I'm going to fucking do something, I'm going to do it. Um, I got too much pride in my reputation. It is what it is. I got too much pride in someone saying, oh, well, don't, you can't count on him. You can fucking count on Brad. I can guarantee you that. But now let me show you what happens when you do show up and you do do what you say you're going to do, even in those micro steps. Because let's just take fitness. Again, I'm going to use fitness as, a, as an example. I'm, I'm going to get to the gym 45 minutes today and I'm going to do that every day. And you show up and you work out. The next day you show up you work out. The next day you show up and this just becomes the cycle. You show up, you show up. Now you could look back and you could say, holy shit, I did it. I showed up for a month. 
there's something that that builds in your ethos. You use the word ethos, which I love. When you do what you say you're going to do, it's undis- it, I can't even explain it. It builds something inside of you that fucking registers in your brain. And it's just like, yes, I can do it. Now this belief starts to come in because you can physically look back on the work that you did and say, you know what? I did it. I can do it. I had major imposter syndrome because I played the back end of just aesthetic nursing. Everyone would come up to me and be like, oh my God, your wife's business, your wife's business. And I would fucking irk me. I would just be like, I know my wife's business. I know my wife's business. I know my my wife, my wife. And I'm not taking anything away from my wife. She's a beast on a whole other level. And in the beginning stages, yes, it was her. But when we started to scale and I came into the situation, we bought the properties, we bought all of the stuff that we had to do to scale it and grow it. It was unquestionable of teamwork. It was both of us. And I was able to look back on what we did. You know, obviously Andy and Ed are big in our world. I remember shooting Andy a DM and I felt so good shooting this. I was like, I did it. I showed him some financials. I showed him the new building and I had a conversation with my wife and there's just something that just feeds your soul and your spirit and your whole ethos I'm going to use when you can honestly look back at the work you did and say, you know what? I did do it and I'm going to continue to do it. And then you start to get momentum behind you. And when you get momentum behind you, you just become fucking unstoppable. Not that you're not going to deal with adversity, not that you're going to have you get kicked in the nuts and punched in the face. That's going to happen. But I can steamroll through shit like that because I know I put the work in and I paid my dues. It's everything. And we talk about dopamine, right? The reason why the phone and social media is so addictive is because we get that immediate dopamine hit, but we get like a small one. But what you're describing, this belief in yourself, the sticking to your word, that gives us a dopamine hit that is so much more meaningful. It lasts longer. It takes longer to work up to it, but it's absolutely worth it once we have it. And once we've been in that place, like you said, now we understand if I compromise once, it is easy for that decision to bleed over into everything else that I do. So if I give up at the first time of adversity, I'm literally conditioning myself to quit when I should be fighting the hardest. And if that's easy, then winning will never be easy. Even when you're doing everything, even when you're committing, winning is not easy. But you have no chance if you're not willing to actually go out there and do it. I don't know any pacifist in my life ever. Like if there's a person that's being attacked, I've never seen a single person that just drops their hands and say, punch me in the face. When they have a blade coming out, they always talk about defensive wounds because the natural inclination as a human is to defend yourself. I have met people that say that they're pacifists, but they're not. They're just cowards because they are not willing to stand up for what they believe. And that doesn't mean that they have to get up and go on a march or they have to go out and make all this noise. If they don't believe in themselves, then where are they going to begin? There's nowhere else to begin. You have to have that understanding. And once we're in that place to actually stand up for the things that actually matter to us, now that bleeds into everything else that we do. That example inspires other people. We go through adversity, not necessarily for us to get stronger, but for our example to empower our kids, the people around us, our wives, our teammates, the people that we actually are serving. When we do that, we become the standard. 
And when we understand that responsibility, it makes everything that much more important. There is that much more gravitas in everything that we do. Those ethos are actually something that we live. It's not just an idea because everybody can write pretty creeds. It sounds great to be able to say something. It's easy to act like a badass until it's time to do what a badass has to do. It's easy to say you're a warrior until there's actually fucking barbarians at the gate. It's actually to say that you're going to be strong against adversity until it's in your face. And that's the thing. When we're doing anything that requires greatness, we shouldn't be surprised when we face adversity. We should be surprised when we don't because I'm probably on the wrong track if I'm not facing some sort of adversary that's guarding this thing that I want so badly. And anything in your life that you're not willing to fight for it, you don't deserve it in the first place. So good, Marcus. I'm so glad I showed up today, bro. I am too. And yeah. And for people that are listening that are saying, you guys are saying the same stuff that I hear all the time. We are. There's a reason why cliches are cliches is because everybody knows it's true, but very few people actually do the work. So what we're talking about, again, when I went to the council, they were talking about the four laws of combat. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, but am I actually applying it? No, am I really? No bullshit. Am I surgically applying that thing? Am I truly prioritizing and executing? Do I really have teamwork? Really? Every day, in every sphere of my life? Probably not. I'm probably losing 20% out here, right? And it's these small leaks that sink that boat. Am I really applying the 80-20 principle? Am I really using arate every day in every way? Arate means excellence for those of you that are not familiar. Am I saying this, this conversation is excellent? The clothing that we wear is excellent. The people we're around, the interaction, the presence that I give this person is excellence. If I can't say that, then why am I tolerating it? If I could be honest with myself about that at the very base level, everything has the potential of getting better. But if I'm not even aware of it and I just let it go by me, I'm just like 99% of the people that are out there. Every person that you follow, that you do business with, or that you buy stuff because of or from is because they are actually the ones that are able to do the work, that 1% every day that are willing to just keep moving forward with one foot in front of the other when everybody else is saying that they're going to talk in a big game. Man, again, action's not words, right? Octan on verba all day. Octan on verba, bro. I love it. It's it really, truth. it's the separator. And the nice thing about it is we don't even have to, get up on a mountaintop and scream about it. It's like, I don't have time to listen to this other stuff. The people that we know that are building, they don't have time to like shit on other people or like throw shit at other people because we're too busy working on what's important to us. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to look at what this person's doing. I need to work on what I'm doing. I have a hard enough time trying to accomplish what I'm doing. If I'm actually engaged, if it's a big yeah. enough goal, it's going to require everything that I have. But guess what? I have what it takes and I'm willing to give it. When the other people are not, we don't have to be the first. We just have to be the last, the last one willing to keep moving one foot in front of the other. When everybody else is capitulated, found excuses, premeditated lies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Listen, I could talk to you forever, brother. Yeah, for sure. For sure, bro. Thank you for being so transparent about, and again, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up for everybody today. People, if you listen to this and you didn't get something out of it, you better check your pulse. That's all I got to say. There was some (laughs) gold in here for you. And again, back to what Brad was saying, if it's something small, what is one thing you heard in this podcast, whether it be us getting like fired up or whether it be one piece of information that you can apply right now and then challenge yourself. Can I do that every day for 30 days? No bullshit. What would it take? And then actually on the other side of that, no bullshit. Who would I become in the process of doing that? And that's the beginning. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Marcus. Where can we learn more about you? Where can we go support your businesses? What can we do to learn more about you and to to follow what you're up to? 
You can do bradmodrich.com. It's B-R-A-D-M-O-D-R-I-C-H. And that will literally, I have a link for everything connected right there. Brad Modrich on Instagram, Facebook. It's just my first and last name. Google it. That's just the easiest way. Or just go to bradmodrich.com. And then I have links for all of the businesses and the companies that I'm tied into. And your podcast is going to be coming too soon, right? It is. May 1st. I know this has been long overdue, but the Conquer Your Conflicts podcast we all deal with conflict. We all deal with adversity. It's my question is like, what are you doing to conquer your conflicts? It's just going to be just real. Like, how are you dealing with the conflict? And the people that I kind of have on the game plan for circling this beautiful network that we've created, we're just going to get raw. Like, how are you attacking conflict? Because we all have it. I am a firm believer that conflict creates you. And yeah, May 1st, I'm really excited about this. And That's the big thing for this year. There's some other big things, but the podcast, it's been in the works for a long time. And I'm at the point where I can look at myself and say, yes, I built some things. I've done some things and I feel good to get back out into the network with it. I feel like I could have the conversations that I need to have because I built some shit. Because I can look back at the road that I just came and say, yes, I've paved the road. I made the road. I had to dig the road. Now let's talk about the road. And I couldn't have done that before until I built the companies that I built. Like for me, it was it's a personal thing. But uh, the Conquer Your Conflicts podcast is coming out May 1st. Stay tuned. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Have a great day. Too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media.